sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? You are listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I am your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, I've got a first part of our off-season preview episode with Ryan Davis. I know I was teasing this a bunch about a week or so ago. I took the week off uh, with no Cubs news really to break or talk about. I didn't really want to just kind of dive into nonsense for a week. Um, and <laughs> honestly, I feel like I needed a little bit of a break. Uh, it was my girlfriend's birthday last weekend, so I took a time. So took some time off from this, but I'm back now with our episode with Ryan, where we take a look specifically at the offense. Um, we talk about who were some players that could be leaving this team, players that could make sense in a trade on the Cubs roster, and we also talk about who are some free agents that the Cubs may pursue. Um, we are realistic. We As much as we'd love to see DJ LeMahieu come to the Cubs, um, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen at this moment right now. Now, sadly, uh, the Cubs budget is kind of in flux up in the air, kind of a lot of teams, but particularly with the Cubs more so than some other teams, just because they were trying to cut salary last offseason. They're coming into this offseason with some pretty serious debts um, and, and money lost coming from this COVID season. So there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of things that are probably set to change. And we get that caveat throughout here, but we, Ryan and I do, do uh, Ryan did a great job, honestly, <laughs> of finding some names that you might not expect to be targets for the Cubs. And uh, I was in love with a lot of those options. So we give you guys some names offensively who could be plugged into this team, give you an idea of who were some guys the Cubs may seriously consider moving, as well as who could be returning to this team 2021 and further. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner when you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates, but I kind of love them even more right now because I get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening my door. Given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact delivers. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up, you guys need to support your local neighborhood spots right now. I've been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis. They actually take care of my life make it a lot easier by picking up everything I need from like Walgreens, 7-Eleven, dropping out the right side of my door. I actually forgot my mask back home in the suburbs. They were able to deliver masks right outside my door so then I could leave to go do whatever I needed to do, which is awesome. Just download Postmates on the iOS or Android app, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within an hour. For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the app, and use code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $100 free delivery credits for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, Cubs fans, joining me today is Ryan Davis as we attempt to figure out what the Cubs are going to be doing this offseason. Um, Ryan, first off, before we jump into this, how are you doing today? Oh, just in another beautiful day. Yeah, trying to figure out how to fix the offense. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Would it help if you knew it was broken, Ryan? Would that help you? Uh, yeah, if we could just – you know what we should do? We should invent – easier than fixing the offense would be inventing a time machine and mm-hmm. going back to, 
you know, right after the 2018 season and just grabbing Theo Epstein by the collar. I mean, shaking him a little like, Hey, <laughs> doing nothing won't fix anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sound advice. Well, um, Theo Epstein had his end of year press conference. I know we talked about this on a previous podcast earlier this week. Um, and we're not going to dive too much into what Epstein said, but he did once again, mention change. Um, he did specifically say he thinks the core of this offense needs to be different. Um, specifically talking about just like the fundamentals, this team doesn't hit for contact. They haven't pretty much ever really, but, uh, they've had a few contact bats here and there. Um, but this lineup just clearly missing a lot of fastballs in the zone. Um, a lot of similar profiles for the type of hitters in this lineup. You could conceivably like, I think two through seven for the last couple of years could have been anywhere in this lineup and with Ross this year, we, we did quite literally see it. All those two through seven hitters kind of bounce around even one through seven, I guess one include half being a lower part of the lineup, but um, it just hasn't worked. This core needs to change. And it does sound like Epstein's going to try and do some of that, but how exactly that's going to happen. I'm not quite sure. Um, I know you have a good idea of maybe, um, maybe a blueprint for how to fix this offense. Ryan, I'll let you kind of kick us off here first. Sure. I've kind of broken down some categories and, and part of this, uh, we talked about it before we started, we have to stipulate is that it's subject to change because they're going to be, it's such a weird uh, situation in baseball because you have so many owners who are hesitant to spend money. You have free agents who've been building toward their free agency who are expecting to get paid, who may be taking lesser dollar amounts. So we don't know where some of these guys are going to fall. Uh, there will be teams who might DFA guys that you wouldn't expect to be DFA'd, uh, you know, coming into this year or coming into the COVID period of our, our timeline. So it's going to get weird and there's going to be names that come up that, you know, maybe a fall into the Cubs category that we didn't expect or guys who we expected to be there for them who aren't. So, you know, and then there's the trade market, which in my breakdown, I didn't even touch yet because we just don't know what that's going to be like. So, um, that all of that, you know, asterisk to get out of the way. Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, so first, uh, it, it ended up being at the very top of my list, but it's just because the first thing I thought of, I wrote down DFAs for the Cubs. And then I went through and looked at guys that I thought should be DFA'd. And realistically, I came up with just Albert Almora. And that's at the <laughs> top of my list, DFAing Albert Almora. Makes me sad. I wanted things to work out with him. He's a great guy. He works hard. He makes contact, which is what they need, but it's awful contact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and he plays a, a good, a good center field. It, he's a guy who could fit somewhere else. Uh, it might just need a, you know, a change of scenery if we want to be cliche about it. Um, they have a handful of free agents who are position players, Jason Kipnis, Cameron Mabin, Josh Fagley, Billy Hamilton, and Aaron Perez, I believe are all free agents. Among that group, the only one that I would really consider bringing back is probably Billy Hamilton. Um, but again, it's because you have that expanded roster. Uh, he could be your defensive center fielder replacement, the guy that they basically were hoping Almora would be this year. Uh, only, Al, uh, only Hamilton's actually fast and can get on base uh, late in the game, if yeah, pinch running, of course. But he could steal a base for you. So he has some value. Um, and then I've got my list of guys that I would at least listen on trades for. And, you know, first I have Chris Bryant. Of course, you're going to listen on trades for anybody. But Bryant, at this point, he's a year away from free agency. He isn't likely 
to sign that long-term contract. He's going to get to free agency and then he's going to get, he's going to get paid. And I think the writing has been on the wall for a while and his poor 2020 has kind of made his chances of returning even less. So if you can get something in a trade for Chris Bryant that helps you long-term, maybe you look at that. Another guy, Schwarber. Um, what the trade value is there, I don't know. Maybe with Schwarber, you're talking about swapping him for some other team's kind of disappointing guy. Uh, maybe it's a pitcher. Uh, maybe it's just two teams swapping guys that have potential but had terrible 2020s and you know each have one year left. Uh, that's kind of the scenario that I hope that they would go with him. Uh, it's another kind of you know change of scenery, but also – uh, moving away from what you just talked about, that uh, low contact guy, lots of strikeouts, you know, kind of moving on from that. Uh, I put Paez on my list of guys you would listen to trades for, but that's to a lesser extent. I feel like he's a guy that you want to build around. Uh, his 2020 was ugly and it makes him kind of go to this list. But if you could work out a long-term extension, I feel like that's a better, a, a better idea. And then finishing it out, just Victor Caratini and David Bodie, um, mostly on the list because, uh, you know, why, why not? You're, you're trying to shake things up. You're trying to improve the team. These aren't like guys you absolutely have to hold on to. So um, they're on there. And then I've got four guys that I absolutely would not trade unless I was blown away with a, a really cool deal. Uh, and that's Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, and Jason Hayward. Uh, so I will, I will pause uh, before we get to the free agent targets and uh, we can have discussion on that. Yeah. So um, the, the two guys I highlighted for, for trades as well were, were Bryant and, and Schwarber. Um, I, I think, like you said, the Cubs will listen on any trade um, and they, they will, they should, they always have. Um, but like realistically, the two guys that I think you could trade and, and, and probably get something that helps now and potentially maybe something later in 2020, post 2021, um, those guys make the most sense to me. Um, I don't really want to trade either one of those guys, but I, I, I think uh, a guy like Schwarber, it, it's clear he's just too like, like uh, he's too similar to a lot of the hitters they have. Um, Chris Bryant, man, does it suck that we we were probably talking about maybe either Chris Bryant leaving after 2021 or trading him some point prior to the season, maybe at the deadline, depending on how things work. But I think those two guys are you're, you're too easy. Like if, if the plan is and what it seems like it is at the moment now is to compete for 2021, but also make sure that there's a plan set for post-2021 for success. I think trading those two guys, you could get something that helps you immediately in 2021 or you could maybe get something that helps you in a couple years post 2021 so i like those moves uh in terms of dfa yeah i, I think elmore is probably the guy you want to you want to see leave i think descalso is uh is officially off this team so people that are like oh what about daniel descalso that's not even a thing anymore his two years are up um beyond that i i, I don't know i i think like you have to look at maybe some of the relievers obviously we're talking more offense um but like some of those relievers are leaving. That might be something you may consider. Um, I don't know though. I mean, you look at the rest of this roster, like a lot of the guys that you would consider for DFA are guys that, I don't know. It's not like you're, I, I, I it's weird. Cause uh, they're, they're guys that have been on this team for a while, but they're also guys that just have consistently not performed the way you need to. So I, I, I think you look at Elmore and that's probably the clear DFA guy. I've seen other people mention maybe like Jose Martinez. Um, I know he's under contract, I think for another two seasons, I wouldn't give up on him. He's got such a good yeah. bat. 
and he's he's kind of the profile of the hitter you're looking for in this lineup. I don't know if he's necessarily an everyday starter, but if the DH continues to stick around in the National League, it's a good guy to plug there, especially if you're talking about moving Schwarber. Um, I like I like keeping Martinez, but I like Billy Hamilton being on this roster. I think this team lacks speed and has forever. Um, you don't necessarily need to steal bases, but we saw how crucial it was, especially in the postseason. Like when the Marlins got a runner on second a couple times, even in like the second or third inning, you could just feel like that's a lot of pressure, momentum, swinging your way even before a run scored. Having that guy that can just swipe a bag like that um, is a big is a big piece. So I, I like keeping those those pieces around too. But in terms of anything else, like – like you said, it's really going to be – it's going to – I think the Cubs are going to be a lot more reactionary than, than proactive, I would say. I think they're going to kind of see how the market unfolds, see what options they have, and make those decisions from there like most teams will. Um, but I, I think it's really going to be kind of who ends up getting DFA'd from other teams that really kind of justify what the Cubs do from there. Yeah, and I agree with you on Jose Martinez. Um, I think that's – if anybody's like, oh, get rid of this guy, he's terrible, he was 0 for 21 with the Cubs – he had 98 plate appearances total this season. Uh, it's less indicative of who he is than what you saw from him in years prior, which is that he hits left-handed pitching really well. Um, he's uh, not going to be all that expensive. I think he only made about $2 million before proration in 2020. So you're talking about maybe a $3 million, $3.5 million salary at most uh, for 2021. Uh, that's not a whole lot, especially for a guy who, um, you know, can step into the lineup as your DH, uh, you know, or even a first baseman uh, on days where you're facing a tough lefty. That That's a valuable guy. So I would not give up on him just yet. Uh, obviously, again, with the caveat that if somebody blows you away with a trade, then of course you're going to do it. But right. um, yeah, I, I would hold on to him because he's a, he's a solid role player. And that's something that I think the Cubs have struggled with doing in the past is uh, collecting guys like him who can play a role off the bench. I mean, he's even the example that a lot of Cubs fans used while he was with the Cardinals Cardinals called that guy up and he was just uh, an you know, a bad outfield slash first baseman on defense who uh, slugged against lefties uh, and they could kind of plug into the lineup and even at times uh, platoon with Matt Carpenter. So yeah, that, that's a guy I would keep around. Uh, Billy Hamilton is a guy I'd probably try and keep around too, like we said, uh, to be your uh, you know, set, center fielder off the bench, your defensive outfielder, your pinch runner. Um, th- those guys are good bench guys that I would certainly keep. And, and even Cameron Maben to a degree, I would, I would at least have conversations about keeping. I know he's kind of getting a little bit older and wasn't exactly great this year, but uh, he's a, a, a decent outfielder, a, a decent bat. Um, so it's worth at least discussing that guy as well. But uh, overall, I'm right there with you. I, I feel like at least one player from the core needs to go. And it's not just a, you know, send somebody out just for the sake of sending one of them away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, like you said, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of balls on the ground, not as, you know, it, just the whole team, their approach, first of all, needs to be overhauled. But second of all, you need to bring in guys from the outside. Um, and, and I do have, and I know you have a few, we, we each have a mm-hmm. list of free agent targets um, that we could talk about that, that could actually help, you know, change this offense a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think obviously the, 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 the big ad the Cubs need is contact. They've been at the lower portion of major league baseball in terms of contact since like 2015. It's always been in that numbers kind of gone lower <laughs> these last couple of years as well too. Um, 
So I think you're looking at contact bats. You're looking at guys with, with high average. I think that kind of buoys a little bit with what you have in this lineup already, which is a lot of power. Um, some patient at bats, uh, you got guys that will take their walks while well, we didn't see that a lot this year. Surprisingly, the walk numbers did dip for the Cubs. I, I, I think you, you've got a good nucleus of players. Like obviously this Cubs team isn't bad, but it, it's just like you need someone who, who can put the ball in play and, and get hits. Um, Cause you have contact hitters in Almora, but like you said, pounding the ball on the ground isn't going to do it. And Epstein talked about that a lot in his press conference saying, you know, there's, there's more to hitting than just contact. Obviously you need to put the ball in the air, you need to drive it well, you need to hit it with power at times. Like those guys aren't just sitting around obviously. Um, but I, I have a, I have a couple names on my list. Did you want to, do you want to share yours first or should I go first? Oh, I'll, I'll give you a couple and then let, let you go. Um, cool. So uh, I, I tried to do a mix of guys who we, A, we know are free agents and B, uh, who have a mixture of um, either getting on base at a high rate, hitting for a high average, and um, slugging as well, because that's been a that was a, a huge problem in 2020, and you know it's been all over. So no, no one should be surprised by it. But those you know funky stats about teams winning in the postseason when they out homer the other team, um, it's th- that's no fluke. So we need guys who can get the ball out of the ballpark and that's how this team was built. But suddenly in the last couple of years, it seems as the ball has been flying out of the park more and more, the Cubs are hitting less and less home runs, uh, which is kind of head scratching. So uh, first up uh, the guy on the, I think should be probably at the top of the list, maybe, maybe close to the top of the list is Michael Brantley. Um, He's an outfielder. He has made $16 million in each of the last two seasons. Um, so that, that's a guy that I would look at. Um, you know, he hits was like 309 over the last three years as a batting average with an almost 370 on base. So that could be solving your leadoff issue while still, you know, bringing a guy with some power. Yeah, I like Brantley. Um, he's a guy that even in like when he was a free agent in 2018, I, I would have liked to see the Cubs maybe pursue him. I think he got like 32 mil over two seasons with the Astros, um, which isn't a lot of money. But for the penny strap Cubs who paid five million to Descalso, and that was it in 2018. Um, it was too rich for their blood. But I think he's going to be 33. Um that type of bat though, the skills you're, you're, you're talking about though, the guy that's carried on base hits the ball for a high average. Those aren't necessarily skills that dramatically, like drastically deteriorate post 30. Um, so those are good signs as well. He's a corner outfielder. So it's not like you need him to play center field. You've got Ian Happ in the fold there. I, I like Brantley. I think that's a good pickup if they could move something like that. Uh, if they could add someone like him to their outfield, obviously you're assuming if Brantley's on this team, Schwarber's probably not, right? Right. Yeah, I, I would assume so. Uh, he'd probably be your left fielder, maybe a DH, um, you know, part of the time. Uh, looks like he'll be 34 next year. Okay. Uh, so, and in addition to the high on base and the high batting average, he slugged over the last three seasons, he slugged 484. So That's uh, a really, a really, really good overall hitter. Um, and, and one that I think is like, he's not Dexter Fowler, but I think he could have a Dexter Fowler like impact on the team. Definitely. And he was a, he was a really good hitter, even with Cleveland. He was just really underrated. I know he was a top prospect at one point that it was dealing with injuries. So at at 34 years old, he's a guy that I think you get him on a one or two year deal. Hopefully you find some good consistent offense with him at the top of your lineup, maybe. So who's another guy on your list, Ryan? 
Uh, well, this guy's probably at the very top of my list, and I think it'll probably make a Cubs fan sad to hear his name. But DJ yeah. DJ Lemayhew, uh, pause for for applause. Uh, he is 32 years old. In the last two seasons with the Yankees, he's hit 336 with a 386 on base and a 536 slugging. So he had a 364 batting average in 2020. He's going to place in the top three in the AL MVP race. Uh, he made $12 million in each of the last two years, again, before proration. Uh, he plays second base, which is exactly what the Cubs need. Um, it, it's weird to boil it all down and say that the kind of player the Cubs really need on offense is D- DJ LeMayu. Yeah. Because they had DJ LeMayu. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he arrived in the big leagues like right before Theo Epstein arrived. And he wasn't a big time prospect or anything, but pretty much the first thing Epstein did was trade him to the Colorado Rockies for Ian Stewart, uh, which is, you know, one of Epstein's worst moves probably at the top of the list and it's gordon wittenmeyer's absolute favorite transaction of all time yes it is so uh <laughs> yeah that that's the the next guy that i would target um if i had to make my assumptions both of these guys are probably priced out of the cubs range yeah. um, because they just are, are broke and don't have any money um so <laughs> yeah but that, but uh, cool. we'd, be doing, we'd be doing a disservice <laughs> to the listeners if we didn't talk about them right dj lemayhew would solve a lot of problems on this team yeah and you, you nailed it he's exactly the type of hitter this cubs lineup lacks the, the high average guy he's going to be right up there with tim anderson i think he might actually have the al batting title this year uh he was there yeah. with him last year too um great guy that just hits hits for high average a guy that i kind of figured it out with the yankees a lot of people credit the yankees for being the team that figured out how to utilize DJ LeMahieu or get him to kind of unlock whatever potential he had. I think it was always there. I think it just clicked in New York in a lineup that no one's really paying attention to him when you've got Giancarlo Stanton and, you know, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez in the lineup. You're not necessarily worried about DJ LeMahieu. You are now, but, you know, two years ago when they signed him, it was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Right. Um, but he was a big reason that the Yankees were so good last year and obviously a big reason why that offense is still working this year. So he'd be a, he'd be an awesome signing. I think he's 32. He's going into his 33-year age, 33 season. An older guy still, but, I mean, for a team that's looking to win now, a two-year deal for LeMahieu would be great. Uh, that being said, I think every team is like, you know, who'd fit great on our team right now? DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> right. And, you know, you could also see the flip side of it where um, maybe he um, has a, he signs with the Cubs and has a repeat of his 2018 season, which was not so good offensively. Mm. Um, the other thing is he hit a career high 26 home runs with the Yankees last year when 15 was his previous high with the Colorado Rockies, which is where you would assume he'd be hitting a ton of home runs. Right. You'd think 26 would have come from Coors Field, but yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, he's another right-handed bat, which I think lefties are ideal for the Cubs lineup. So, um, but that said, he, I mean, he's just, if you just look at the last two years and really going back to 2015, he's one of the premier hitters in the league. Um, you know, if you just look at bat and batting average, uh, 301, 348, 310, 276 in that down year, 327, 364. So hits for a high average. He's won two batting titles, one of the National League, one of the American League. That's that's impressive stuff. That's a really good resume for a guy who's going to be, you know, he's 32 now, turned 33 in the middle of next year, looks like. So, uh, yeah, a guy that you might be able to get on a three-year deal, maybe. Um, and, and maybe, you know, with the market the way it is, 
maybe you only pay him $15 million a year. I, I'm not sure how that's all going to shake out, but um, yeah, that, that's a guy that I would certainly target. What about yeah. you? What's, what's a, well, give me a name off your list. Uh, one of the guys at the top of my list, obviously the, the two names you mentioned were on my list too, but uh, Jerkson Profar is a guy that okay. I, uh, I'm interested in. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's 27. It's kind of crazy to think he's been in the league for seven years though. People forget he got called up at 19. Um, and he's coming off a really good season with the Padres actually. Um, he's got a 771 OPS this year. He's got an on-base percentage of 343. Adds a lot of versatility. Can pretty much play anywhere in the infield and, and has some experience in the outfield. He's not a guy I think you want to play out there all the time, but you could use him there. Um, he's also a great contact bat. Uh, not necessarily the same level as some other free agents that might be out here. Guys like uh, Tommy Listella, who I know we'll mention here in a little bit, probably a little bit better of a contact bat, but his versatility is something, you know, Epstein will appreciate. Um, and a guy who's only 27 years old still could be, I mean, you know, I don't think he's necessarily scratching the surface of his potential. I think this is about who he can be, but even still, I mean, he made more contact than the entire Cubs lineup this year. Um, and that's a big plus. So I, I'd be okay with something like that. I, I would prefer obviously a DJ LeMahieu to come in and fix all the problems, but Jerkson Profar is a, a different type of hitter and a, a, a guy that they don't have in this lineup right now. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't have anything against Jerickson Profar. Uh, he's he was really bad to start his career, mm-hmm. even though he was uh, kind of a big time prospect. Uh, over the last three years, he's been essentially a league average hitter, though. Uh, two forty three average, three twenty three on base, four thirty four slugging. Doesn't sound like you know anything impressive, but like you said, he's a contact bat. Uh, he can play several different positions: uh, shortstop, second base, third base. So. Um, yeah, if you do sign a guy like that, though, I would assume that maybe means goodbye, David Bodie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably better contact bat, better defender um, than Bodie, uh, but he'll also probably be making more money as well. So that's something that I would also kind of factor in on on that guy. Yeah, he's definitely he earned about I think it was like just under six million in his final year of arbitration. Um, so I wouldn't expect a huge raise, but probably somewhere around eight nine million is where you could probably sign a guy like Profar. That's probably especially if you've got David Bodie and if the Cubs do think they're I guess profile similarly, even though I, I don't agree. Um, the Cubs seem to like Bodie. I could see them rolling with that and saying, well, we kind of already have him. Let's, let's replace him with someone else. But Profar is a guy I would like. That'd be an interesting pickup for sure. Yeah. If, if they could make it work um, for the right price financially um, and for the right role on the team, I, that's one that I would like as well. Just uh, not as like, you know, it, it seems very Daniel Descalso to roll that out as be like, hey, look at look at what we did. <laughs> yeah. Everything's going to change now. Big signing. Yep. <laughs> um, who's another guy on your list, Ryan? Uh, let's see. Who should I tell you about next? Uh, let's talk about our good old friend, Tommy Listella. Mm. So, another uh, uh, Cub beat writer's favorite. Yes. Uh, it, man, we're, we're talking about all the Cubs cast offs and guys that they you know, could have signed at any point in the last couple of years. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Tommy Lestella, obviously Cubs fans know him because he was with the team for several years. Uh, he's going to be 32 next year. So, you know, kind of coming towards the back end of his prime might be able to get him on like a two year deal um, over the last two seasons. And he had 
um, a great start to 2019 and then got hurt and missed half the year and then had a good 2020. But he basically had a full season's worth of plate appearances the last two years, 549 plate appearances, hit 20 home, sorry, 21 home runs, uh, hit 289 with a 356 on base, 471 slugging. He can play a little bit of second base, but he's not the best there. He could DH for you. Um, he only made 3.2 million this year before proration. Uh, so you're probably not talking about a massive deal. I honestly think you could probably sign him for maybe a little bit more than you could get Jerks and Profar. Um, and while you might sacrifice a little on defense, I think the offensive profile is there. It, it, he's a contact guy. He can hit for power. Um, as soon as he left the Cubs, in fact, he started hitting for power. Um, so uh, he's kind of turned into the ceiling of what you expected when you got him way all the way back when, when he had all those great minor league stats with the Braves and just hadn't put it together in the big leagues and everyone kind of dreamed on him what he could be. As soon as he got away from the Cubs and got a regular role, he became that guy. So at the same time, would he want to come back? I'm not sure. Um, I, I assume that he enjoyed his time with the Cubs. I know he had that kind of, um, you know, mm-hmm. sort of strange episode in 2016 where he didn't, you know, know if he wanted to play anymore. They sent him to the minors and he was really upset about that. Um, didn't so, report initially. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if, if, a, if a reunion in Chicago is something he would really want or something he would be like, no, I, I, you know, I've got, you know, 29 other teams I, I can choose from. Thanks, but no thanks. I don't know where that would be for him. So, uh, but I would put him on my list pretty high up with uh, LeMahieu and Brantley as a guy that I think would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lastella was high on my list too. Um, he's a guy, obviously, we, we all know what Lastella does best, and that's it. Um, he's done just that when he left for the Angels, and then uh, obviously he's with the Athletics and producing in that lineup. Uh, obviously got hurt yesterday, should be in the lineup for game four though, so there's no scare there. We were a little nervous when he got plunked in the elbow. But um, yeah, I would be all, I'd be all for a Tommy Lastella reunion. I think that'd be fun, and he, he fits exactly what the Cubs need at the moment. So um one guy I have on my list that I'm I'm not wild about, but I, I would be in on if they were to maybe get a good deal on someone like him, Marwin Gonzalez. Um mm. I like him. I liked him two years ago when he was a free agent. He's kind of had two not so great seasons in um in in Minnesota. The season 2019 wasn't awful. Um he still had a war above one 1.5 for a guy that saw I think 460 plus plate appearances. Um historically at least with the Astros he had a really good season in 2017 I think he had an OPS around like 900 a little bit higher maybe um he hasn't quite lived up to that uh I guess numbers necessarily obviously 2017 is kind of a year I think everyone circles on former Astros (laughs) uh, baseball cards I was Uh, was trying to think of a trash can pun yeah (laughs) insert trash can here but um I, I wouldn't be opposed to him as like a role player type guy. I think he can, he's another one that adds versatility. He's listed as a shortstop on fan graphs for some reason, but uh, obviously he's played first base left field. Uh, he's gotten in at second base a couple times. I guess he could technically play shortstop. He adds a lot of depth and this is a good bat switch hitter. Um, a guy that's a career 317 on base, not anything that thrills you here necessarily, but for a guy that's not going to play every day, I mean, like, you know, this guy still got on base at a 324 clip in 2018, 322 in 2019. Numbers dip for him this year, but, you know, we I, I'm not going to hold him to his 2020 numbers. But, 
you know, I, I wouldn't hate that move. He's probably like the guy that you pick up if all the other names we've mentioned before are gone. <laughs> um, but uh, right. I, I, I like him as a depth move at least. Yeah, you're hitting on another uh, Theo Epstein cast off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's uh, you're picking up he, on the theme. I like that. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that one it may actually be Epstein's first uh, move, quote unquote. Was uh, Marwan Gonzalez was um, a, a Boston Red Sox Rule 5 draft pick uh, on December 8th, 2011. So I think that was right after Epstein arrived. Yeah. And then they moved him to the Houston Astros, where obviously he you know, stuck around that whole first year and had a you know, pretty uh, terrible first year with the, Red, uh, with the Astros and then eventually had that, you know, became a, a role player on that team and then had that great 2017. They won the World Series and then he's moved on to the Twins. Overall, he's been pretty much a league average hitter uh, for his career, but another versatile guy. Um, again, uh, you know, shortstop, first base, left field. Um, yeah, this year, he played. You know, just pulling it up here, primor- primarily outfield and uh, third base, a little second base. So, yeah, th- uh, that's a guy that I, I think you you could find some value in. So, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Um, another name I, I I thought we should maybe mention is uh it's it's ha Seung kim he's the 25 year old potential gold glove shortstop prospect coming out of the kbo this year um he is going to be posted this year he's probably a guy that the cubs don't have a real shot at um he's probably going to go to a team like the pirates i would say or someone like that who's probably got a couple years before they're really considered a good team but a guy that I wouldn't mind. I mean, if he had real interest in coming to the Cubs and they were, he was okay with maybe not playing immediately. I don't know. I mean, like give him a year to work in the minors and see what happens. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that move. All right. So my next guy on the list is an interesting name. Uh, Justin Turner. Oh yeah. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be 36 next year. So another guy who's on the older side, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he's hit, 301 with a 389 on base and a 505 slugging the last three seasons combined in 2020 in the short season he had an on-base percentage of 400 Uh, he made 20 million dollars before proration this year Uh, he played pretty much most of the year at third base he started a little at dh which you would expect you know at his age Uh, this is a guy that i think probably continues to age pretty well Uh, he's not going to be the justin turner that he was in his you know best years in his prime and you know, let's say 2015, 16, 17, that, that range. But uh, I think he could help the team a lot, especially in the event that you do end up moving Chris Bryant. I think signing Turner could make a lot of sense. Um, and even if you do keep Chris Bryant, you know, maybe uh, you play Bryant a little more in the outfield, a little more at DH, use Turner a little at DH. You can, with the DH, assuming it's back, you can kind of play with that a little bit. You could have essentially two part-time third basemen um, that you rotate, you know, maybe Brian into the outfield DH a little bit. So uh, that makes, that would make a lot of sense for me. And it's again, another guy who hits for a high average, gets on base at a high rate. He hits for power. Uh, the defense won't kill you. So uh, that's a guy that I think should be on Theo Epstein's watch list. I like that. That's a, that's a good move. I, um, I wouldn't be upset with a, a pickup of that guy. Um, another name I wanted to mention um, I'm not in love with this, but he's a guy that would be a free agent. Um, Jonathan Scope. Scope. Okay. Scoop. 
Have you say scope. scope. I, I had it right the first time. Uh, Scope's a guy that obviously he hit 32 home runs with the Orioles in 2017. You're not necessarily expecting those numbers, but even like what he put together for the the Tigers was not bad in nearly a one and a half war season and you know 44 games for them last year with the Twins. Okay, the on base percentage isn't quite there. He doesn't really walk ever. Um, <laughs> he's got like a career total of I think like a four percent walk rate. Does strike out a little bit, but the bat at this high, he does. In the last couple of years, he's hit closer to 270, 280. Um, I don't know. I, I I would say as another depth bench guy, a lefty bat, or no, he's a right-handed hitter. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> a right-handed bat at second base. I, I wouldn't be upset with a move like that. Another one of those moves where like your your top guys you probably wanted aren't there, so you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel sort of thing. But scope is definitely above the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and I, I think he's a good defender as well. Yes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched him play a whole lot. I only go on, you know, the highlights and the stat sheets and kind of what I've heard. But um, that's a guy who's a good defender who can, you know, when they won in 2016, it was very, um, you know, get on base, play great defense and pitch. And they had good defense this year. So um, that could help you improve at second base uh, and play a little bit better defense. He made. Uh, looks like 6.1 million before proration in 2020. So he's probably looking for something similar. Um, I, I'd be okay with that. So yeah, yeah, uh, he's not going to be your leadoff guy. That's for sure. No. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as a second baseman who uh, hits down on the lineup, uh, probably is good for 20 home runs or so. Uh, that that's a guy that I would be I would be okay with as well. You know, yeah. again, as long as that's not your primary uh, yeah your, your <laughs> highlight of the offseason can't be jonathan scope no definitely not and then uh in terms of defensive uh, uh positioning at least when he was at second base exclusively for the orioles in 2016 and 2017 he saved uh nine and 13 defensive runs in 2014 12 um since going to the twins and uh tigers moving around a little bit he's played shortstop a little for the twins and he was he was in negative one defensive run saved he was at third base a few times with the orioles negative 12 so when he's at or he's gonna be negative two uh, not negative 12 good lord uh don't play him <laughs> there anymore uh but uh at, at least as a second baseman pretty solid glove and it's still only i think he's 20 he'll be 29 next year he's still good right right you know right in the middle of his prime hopefully yeah Yep, and he's coming off uh, even the the shortened 2020, pretty good season for him. Mm-hmm. 278 batting average. He had a 115 OPS plus, eight home runs. Uh, again, playing for the Tigers, but uh, you know, like like you said, uh, low walk rate, but um, the strikeouts aren't outrageous or anything. So a player that I think that yeah, he could fit uh, mm-hmm. on the team if if it were for the right price. And then the last guy I wanted to mention on my list was Freddie Galvis. Um, he's a free agent, shortstop, kind of middle infielder guy. Um, has surprisingly found pop the last couple of years. Um, I think he hit, um, I think he had 18 home runs in 2019 collectively between, I think he was with Toronto and then he got traded to Cincinnati. Um, it was 23 home runs. 23. Oh, excuse me. 23 home runs. So yeah. surprising for a guy that like the Phillies thought was their future shortstop. The last couple of years, we've seen his home run numbers increase. Um, uh, slugging is a lot better, especially for a middle infielder. I think he was at 404 last year and at 338 in 2019. That's impressive. 734 OPS um, switch hitter. 
okay defender. I don't think he's necessarily a superstar by any means, but he can fill the good amount of positions as a middle infielder. Um, again, not a, not a superstar move. If this was the only move they made, Freddie Galvis, um, that'd be disappointing. But uh, in tandem with like maybe a platoon at second base or maybe he's another depth guy to get Javi a, a day off, something like that, he fits with what the Cubs might be looking for. I don't know if he's a contact bat. He does strike out a decent amount sometimes. Um, but in terms of what you could find, if, if options aren't there, you could do a lot worse than Galvis. So. Yeah, he's a switch hitter. His uh, splits are pretty neutral for, throughout his career. So he's not a guy that you lean heavily on against right-handed or left-handed pitching. The one thing that, you know, would make me nervous about bringing in a guy like that is, you know, again, we're looking at, you know, the last couple of years, just going down a baseball reference on his salary, starting with 2017, 4.35 million, 6.8 million, 4 million, 5.5 million. So the expectation is going to be there. This guy's going to make, a, you know, at least a reasonable amount of money when I feel like, um, at whatever his age is, 31. Yeah. Uh, maybe Ildemaro Vargas <laughs> puts up <laughs> close to the same production. And you've already got that guy on your team for like probably five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000. Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about Freddie Galvis. Again, that we're talking about probably has to be a, a, a lower ranking move in your offseason. And there's got to be a lot more. I, I think personally there would need to be a lot more noise happening with your roster to make Galvis make sense for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I, if you take, if Galvis is coming in and you're like, all right, offense fixed. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, that, that would be not the best situation. No, that uh, I've would got suck. two, I've got two more on my list. One is a guy that I think is a little bit surprising. Another guy uh, is kind of another, uh, if you move Schwarber kind of guy. And and the, if you move Schwarber kind of guy is, uh, Jock Peterson. Mm. Uh, he's going to be, he's still only, uh, I think he's going to be 29 yeah. next year. So he's not even 30 yet. He had a terrible 2020. So he's a buy low candidate. Um, even in coming into 2020, coming off a really good year in 2019, he was only making 7.75 million before proration in 2020. So uh, a guy that you can probably get for a low amount of money. Uh, he crushes right-handers in his career. He's a, he's a great classic lefty platoon bat. Um, between 2018 and 2019, he hit 61 home runs with a 127 OPS plus. Uh, when you're looking at just the player he is, he is the antithesis of what the Cubs said they need to do uh, contact-wise because he is not a contact bat. But I think Jock Peterson, uh, as a platoon playing left field and DHing some, is pretty much what the Cubs always hoped Kyle Schwarber would be, which is low batting average, high on base, big time power, especially against right-handers. He won't kill you in the outfield. Uh, Schwarber won't either, but Peterson's probably a little bit better in left than Schwarber. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's a guy that I think if you do end up moving Kyle Schwarber, you could look at as maybe a one, one year deal, kind of prove it guy. Maybe you give him one year, $7 million, you know, however the, the market shapes out, we don't, we don't know, but um, that's a guy that I think could make sense if you do move Schwarber uh, to bring him in, probably pay him less than you would have paid Schwarber for one year and get maybe even better production out of him. Yeah, I, I actually really like that Jack Peterson deal uh, idea. At first, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But then looking at his numbers, like rated, weighted runs creation, he's been over 100 um, for 
or at 100, I think four of his seven seasons, obviously his first season, 18 games, doesn't really count towards that this year. Wasn't getting regular playing time. You know, that makes sense. He's been kind of a boomer bust type of guy, but even like looking at his strikeout numbers, his number, his strikeout numbers like actually dipped in 2018 away from 21 to 19 down to 21 this year jumped up a little bit, but still encouraging uh, a guy that will walk. He will t- see pitches. Um, I don't hate a lot of what Jock Peterson does. So that's a, uh, that's interesting pickup. Yeah. And if you still have Jose Martinez on your roster, who, Ooh. you know, uh, historically kills lefties, you're, you're talking about a really interesting platoon, uh, for what may be, you know, less than $10 million total for those two guys. Um, it, just to point it out in uh, Jose Martinez's career against left-handed pitching, uh, he has a 918 OPS. So add that to the probably close to 900 OPS that uh, Peterson has against right-handed pitching in his career that you've got these two guys who admittedly had really bad 2020s, but uh, assuming that they bounce back it could be really high value for you if you pair them together. So um, that's something that I think the Cubs would be wise to look at. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. What was the other, uh, what's the other name on your list, Ryan? All right. So this is a DH only guy and it's the kind of guy that the Cubs never could have possibly thought about Ooh. in previous years. Is it Edwin Encarnacion? No, no. I thought about <laughs> him too. Uh, it's Nelson Cruz. Ooh, another name we talked about. I would love Nelson Cruz. Yeah, he's already 40 years old. Uh, so you're probably signing him to a one-year deal. Yeah. So it's not going to be, it's not going to kill you. Um, in his last two years, he's had 735 plate appearances with the Twins. Uh, he hit 57 home runs in those, those 735 <laughs> plate appearances. And his slash line the last two years, 308 batting, 394 on base, 626 slugging. Uh, he pretty much checks every box except for contact. He's not a big contact guy. Uh, he will strike out, but I don't think the strikeouts are terrible. Um, it's in a reasonable strikeout range for a guy who's going to, you know, hit you a ton of home runs. So again, a DH only move. It's probably just for one year. Um, you're probably talking 10 to $15 million at most. Uh, I think that's a move that could pay off really well. Uh, you know, granted it could fall off a cliff and, you know, it could be a, duh moment where it's like well of course he was going to be bad he's 40 years old what did you expect but right. you know he was going strong all the way through 2020 i'd give him one year it, it couldn't be the only movie made on the offense obviously but uh, man is that a tantalizing idea giving that one year deal to nelson cruz uh, and let him hit it wrigley all year yeah that that's a really fun property. That's awesome. You know, what's also really cool about Nelson Cruz. Like obviously the strikeout numbers have bumped up quite a bit. He jumped almost like 5% from his last year of the Mariners to 2019 with the twins, but his Babbitt shot up like literally a hundred points, uh, 264 in 2018 to 351 in 2019. And this year, 260, he batted above 300 in both the years with the twins last year. And this year, currently um, on base percentage career on base percentage of 347, a slucking of 529. Like, Oh my God, put him in the lineup today, man. I, I don't even care. That would be awesome. I would be so down for that. And that, I think just like to be able for the Cubs, if they were to continue, obviously I, I'm hoping for the DH. I think every feedback from it, from the national league was positive. Why wouldn't you want that? But um, man, it would just be cool to see the Cubs go after a guy like this because they've never really been. It's always been like historically, like the Texas Rangers or the <laughs> the uh, the, like the Twins who get these big bats and put them in their lineup. But 
you know, a team like the Cubs have just never been able to utilize a guy like him. So that would be just like excitement level alone. That'd be super fun for me. Yeah. And then, um, unfortunately, Albert Pujols is not a free agent this year, this year I don't think. So uh, we won't be able to go sign him to a contract. Ah, bummer. The two uh, might, might as well get him with Cronacion, been... too, at that point, right? Let's get all the old-timers. Yeah. <laughs> Guy who hasn't been good since he left St. Louis. Man, what a terrible contract that ended up being. For right? The oh, my gosh. I In was... retrospect, it would have been great if he had signed with the Cardinals. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if only um knowing our luck though he would have figured it out um but yeah i was just talking about albert pools my brother he we uh he's been like i mean that his tenure with the angels has been rough but he's had some good seasons in between all that that being said not nearly the superstar he was with the cardinals so but yeah no. i um yeah, if, you, if you look at the old counting stats he's had some good time with the angels i think he's had a couple years where he's had over 100 rbi 119 rbi and uh, 2016 so he hasn't been awful he had a year where he had 40 home runs but overall he has a 761 OPS in his time with the Angels for the money he's being paid is basically strictly a DH yikes yeah that's not a good look uh, <laughs> um, all right well I think that'll about do it here for our offensive offseason preview I know we were talking about obviously things are set to change we're very early in this uh, I guess set up here realistically especially with the election and of course the rickets being involved on the rnc side i wouldn't be surprised if you don't get a real idea of what the cubs budget might look like until sometime late november maybe right before the winter meetings um so things are subject to change but was there anything you wanted to throw out the rhyme before we uh, wrap up no i i agree with what you said things are kind of subject to change we uh we'll have probably a handful of podcasts where we talk about um, kind of new ideas for direction in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the pitching again. Uh, today was pretty much strictly offense. So yeah, uh, there's a lot to talk about. It, it'll keep us busy in the off season, I hope. Uh, but yeah, I do agree with you. It, it could, for political reasons, there could be teams that are waiting out to see uh, what their financials may be like, uh, you know, until after the election, which I think is silly, but um, you know, we can't ignore the fact that some of them think that way. So uh, yeah, it, it may take a little while for the, the market to develop, but I do think the Cubs will be active in, at the very least, they'll be active in the rumors um, because they'll, they'll be shopping their players. They'll be looking at the trade market. It sounds like, you know, we talked about free agents today, but it sounds like what, you know, what's kind of already on the tea leaves out there is that the Cubs don't expect to sign a lot of free agents mm-hmm. um, that they'll probably look uh, at the, the trade market to improve their team. So um but that kind of stuff, we'll probably just talk about those rumors as they come up. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's it, at least this off season. You know, it, it can always surprise you, but I have a strong feeling there will be some change, which is much needed. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, we've we've heard. I, I think what makes it weird is we've heard kind of the Epstein like pound his fist and demand change, and then not really do much. You know, new manager, fringe signings here and there, nothing impressive. Like I was reading an article from Sahad of Sharma today talking a little bit about the Cubs offensive struggles specifically in contact issues or whatnot and he mentioned in that article like the last big time free agent the Cubs signed or at least like you know that was going to impact the roster not even big time but just in general was was really Jason Hayward back in 2016 Mm -hmm. um which is kind of crazy to me yeah I mean they signed Hayward they signed Lackey uh they signed Darvish 
I meant uh, like offensively. Sorry. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, 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 sorry. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You know, they kind of, they developed their own players and they put a plan in place that was basically, you know, we're bringing up the, the hitting prospects. We're going to, uh, and, and that's kind of how they found themselves in this, this situation is uh, they were going to pay less money for most of their offense because they had all these young prospects just hitting the big leagues, you know, pre-arbitration and then an arbitration making less money than their value uh, while you paid for guys like John Lester and John Lackey on the pitching side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, then eventually you Darvish, but along the way you were kind of expecting that those guys would can, the offensive players would continue to get better when they either kind of leveled off or, you know, hit these kind of weird, um, you know, valleys in, in their development and then none of them signed any extension. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's really the crappy part. It's like, oh, wow. So we, we figured out we do have these good players. Why haven't they accepted a deal yet? Or why are we not pushing harder for this? So, but. Which I guess you could look at it one of two ways. The kind of worst case scenario has happened in that uh, none of them are guys that coming out of 2020, you feel all that great about going forward with. Mm-hmm. Like none, none of them are guys that you're just oh man, I got to sign this guy to a massive extension right now and lock him up. Like you don't feel that, uh, that way about any offensive player at this point. And uh, on the pitching side, you're aging, you're losing uh, like, you know, at least two spots in your rotation to free agency. You don't have any arms coming up. You don't have any hitting prospects coming up that are really going to, you know, make a huge impact in 2021. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of worst case scenario, but at the same time, uh, they did win their division in 2020. <laughs> I mean, it it ended poorly, but uh, you know, even through all of this, they're not that far away from being a really competitive team. Uh, they need they do need changes. Let's you know, they're not close enough that they can just fire the hitting coach and bring in Daniel Descalso again. Um, they're not that close, but I, I think that there there are reasonable moves that can be made that can make this team. Uh, a division winner in 2021 and a legitimate playoff contender, a world series contender. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. You, the, the, this team is still talented. This team still has quite a few pieces that work. Like obviously defense was very great. was very good this year. The pitching was good. The bullpen figured itself out. Eventually Craig Campbell started to look like himself towards the end. You got some pretty good offensive production from Hap Hayward and, and Contreras to some extent, but it's your four core bats that just didn't figure it out. So Maybe you flip two of them out, put two new ones in, and maybe things work. Um, if they don't, well, we'll probably see more changes coming after 2021. But I think that's a given. So, but yeah. we'll uh, we'll try and stay on top of things as we go. I'm sure we'll have another podcast here soon about the pitching side of things. We've kind of like really dove heavily into the pitching throughout the season, so I don't think there's anything really to break down there outside of like Lester could probably come back, and it sounds like he will, but. Beyond that, we'll we'll dive into maybe some of these younger arms, guys that could be an impact. Maybe avoid the Cubs. Avoid the Cubs can avoid spending money on guys because they've got guys they can maybe call up. But we'll dive into that for another episode. But well, that is our show of Lockdown Cubs. We appreciate you guys sticking around all season. It was a tough 2020 season, not just for baseball, but for everything else going on in the world. But uh, this off season, while a little cloudy does have the potential to put this Cubs team back on the right trajectory. We felt like these last few years, the Cubs haven't quite lived up to their potential. Um, They've kind of stuck it out with this same core. And while it's sad to see guys that may leave this team that we've seen grown up and loved and appreciated and watched them win a world series, um, 
there is the opportunity that this team could get a lot better uh, with the right pieces in here because we know that these players on this team are good. We know that they work hard. We know they put the effort in. We know they're trying. They've got a good manager in David Ross. They've got the parts to be a good baseball team. It just doesn't feel like any of them are clicking at the same time. And that has to ultimately come down to the personnel in this group. And while these guys were committed to making it work with this group, giving it another shot, uh, once again, you get to the postseason, similar results. They just haven't been able to score. So hopefully maybe with some of the names Ryan and I suggest, maybe some interesting moves that we see this offseason combined with that could help get this team offensive, at least on the right track, because we saw just about every other category in the Cubs this year for in terms of like what makes a good baseball team. Um, we're, we're pretty good, if not one of the better teams in baseball at all those, except for offensively just no consistency. Maybe they find that this offseason. So there's things to look forward to. We'll try and stay on top of the news when it comes. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard. There isn't much going on, and I can't imagine there'd be much going on <laughs> until later on in the season once this baseball season's over. But of course, we've got a World Series now. The Dodgers and Rays set to face off. That'll be a fun series. And uh, the two teams I called to make it all the way, actually, in my uh, postseason power rankings for fans side. Not that crazy of a call out. They were clearly the two best teams in the NL and AL. Um, but still, they got there, and it wasn't quite as easy as I, I think some people thought. So should be a fun World Series, though. I'm excited for it. But with that, that is our show. We'll try and have at least two more episodes come out later this week, assuming there are some things to talk about. If anything pressing breaks, obviously, there'll be a podcast shortly after. But we're going to start sliding into the offseason mode a little bit where we're, we're downgrading down from daily, closer to probably two or three times a week. Um, so with that, you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe, leave a five-star review. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. Follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears and follow Ryan Davis on Twitter at Ryan Q. Davis. Thanks for sticking around. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubbies.